can I do an impression of a fax machine on, on some kind hoping. of live show? It's like... That was terrible. That was really shit. Because <laughs> it's like... Boing, 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 boing. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> Kia ora everybody and welcome to the Alicia Mackay Show. This week we talk about going analogue in a digital world, what it currently smells like in Christchurch, the Streisand effect, what happens when you draw attention to something by trying to draw less attention to it, and CV gives us an excellent movie recommendation. Enjoy everyone. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Alicia Mackay Show on today, Friday the 13th of May. It is absolutely freezing in Wellington. Winter has arrived, even though it's still autumn, uh, and I'm not coping with it particularly well. Uh, First of all, problems I'm currently battling with include my seat heaters in my car are taking quite a while to warm up. So (laughs) when I take my daughter to the bus stop in the morning, I've got kind of a chilly bum. Uh, It's not easy for me. But For those of you who are waking up this morning feeling a bit jaded, perhaps a bit tired, uh, I want you to spare a thought for the residents of Bromley in Christchurch. Now, this is my my home stomping ground. I grew up in Aranui in in East Christchurch. Uh, And for a while, we lived in Bromley, actually. Now, Bromley is quite well known in Christchurch for its proximity to the shit ponds. And this has never been amazing, but has generally been quite well managed uh, by the council in terms of, you know, smell. Last November, there was quite a terrible fire at the wastewater treatment plant in Bromley Christchurch. And you will be unsurprised to learn that the result of that fire has led to a massive stench. Now, I opened the Stuff website this morning and the main headline on the Stuff website, uh, nice and bold, top left, was entire community living under the eternal stench of poo. (laughs) Now, that's quite a headline for a national news website. So I think it could be understood that I immediately clicked through (laughs) to see what was going on to discover that there'd been this terrible fire at the wastewater treatment plant and that for everybody who lives in East Christchurch since November, they've been unable to go outside without wearing a mask. Their kids can't play. Uh, they've got no clothes on their washing line, and generally, the whole suburb just stinks like shit. Now, the council finally turned up there this week <laughs> to say to everyone, look, you know, sorry, it smells like shit here. Uh, look, the insurance was mucking us around a bit, so we didn't want to start cleaning up, you know, until we knew that insurance was going to pay for it. <laughs> so we'll start cleaning up now, and hopefully your entire community won't be living under the internal stench of poo by September. <laughs> Look, whenever you want to complain about your life or what's going on, at least you're not living under eternal cloud of poo. <laughs> like, I'm staggered by this. And I know, Cam, that you rightfully point out that I do turn most issues into a class war. But for God's sake, as if this would have been okay on the airport side of town. Shame on you, Christchurch City Council. If it had been Fendleton or Merivale who'd been living under the stench of poo, this would have been dealt with some time ago. This is the earthquakes all over again. It's like, oh, there's been three things fall off the shelf in Yieldhurst. We better deal with it. Oh, but you can't access most of the roads and houses and Dellington. Oh, well, 
There's a similar thing that happened in Melbourne, uh, not in terms of a poo explosion, but the Werribee treatment plant, as it's uh, affectionately known, is one of the sewage treatment plants in Melbourne. When it was made, it was right on the outskirts of Melbourne on the lower class side of town. But it now happens to be on the arterial road that takes people, uh, the wealthy people, to their beach houses. And so there's generally complaints when people have to drive through the fog of Werribee, but not so much noise about the people who've lived there for the last 58 years. Werribee has the zoo, doesn't it? Yes, it also has the zoo. And it's a bird sanctuary, I believe, not unrelated to the waft of poo, because as anyone who's been to a tip and seen the absolute hordes of bin chickens that hang out there, birds apparently don't have a sense of smell. Now, I recently purchased a book for Harriet, my seven-year-old daughter, uh, entitled Bin Chicken, and it is one of our favourite new books. And I just want to share with our listeners what the process for purchasing those books was. Now, any of you who grew up in New Zealand and went to primary school here will be familiar with Lucky Book Club, uh, which is a company called Scholastic, send out a a catalogue grouped by age uh, to all primary schools in New Zealand and the rich kids and the lucky kids get to pick stuff out of it and then show off when it gets delivered eight weeks later while the rest of us watch with envy at everybody's lucky book club packages. Now apparently this business model might not be uh, working as well as it used to be because Scholastic now run quite regular book sales from their warehouse, also in Christchurch. So Cam and the kids and I, along with some friends of ours, went along to the Scholastic Book Warehouse in Christchurch a few weeks ago to attend the book sale to see, you know, if we wanted to buy any of the excess stock, which clearly we did, otherwise we wouldn't have a book called Bin Chicken. So I went up to the counter with my books and my understanding when I came in was that we were buying them at half the the sticker price because that's what it apparently had been last time. And my friend of mine who'd taken us there said, oh yeah, it's half price. And I was like, great. Got up to the counter and they said, yeah, put your, um, put your books on the scale, please. Okay. So I put my books on the scale and it turns out that the pricing system at the Scholastic Book Club warehouse is by weight. You pay per gram. It's the strangest <laughs> book buying I've ever done in my life. They were like, that's 1.1 kilo. That'll be $22, thanks. <laughs> what? Like a grosser vending things by weight. It's just not the system you expect for purchasing books, is it? Especially not books with sticker prices on them. No. And look, as a um, as an author, obviously, but also a, a bookworm, you know, a proud a proud reader, the idea that all books are created equal and that you can distinguish them purely by weight, I find quite offensive. Like, first of all, there's no incentive for hardcover, is there? Like, oh. Imagine the book reviews you'd get or the testimonials you'd want, you'd want to put on the front of your book if that was the, uh, the system. I enjoyed <laughs> how heavy this book read. was. <laughs> Well, people, like reads are described as being light or heavy and usually it's metaphorical, but no, let's take that to a literal level. I enjoyed that this book weighed four kilograms. Oh, my God. Or like what a valuable book this was. It was so light, but yet I got so much insight. Just just bizarre. Now, I got a bit distracted by my shit chat this morning uh, for the poor Bromley residents. So I did also just want to say that if any of you are tuning in from East Christchurch, you have my sympathy, not just for the fact that it smells like shit, but also that you live in East Christchurch. Like it's not an easy run, is it? <laughs> but, um, but moving on from that, what I actually wanted to talk about this week and my, um, my fad of the week, I don't think I necessarily need my, um, my doofer in. <laughs> 
I was quite incorrect. I did need my doofarin. As uh, the rise of analogue in an increasingly digital world. Now, CV, if you could uh, just join us on screen, please. CV, you'll know that I regularly bemoan the constant wave of digital communication that comes our way. And we've talked on the show at some length about how terrible it is to be answering an email while watching a show while streaming YouTube while texting. Um, and, And I'd sort of said to you over lunch recently, look, I don't want it. I don't want a phone. I don't want an email address. I don't want any form of digital communication, but I feel stuck because other than letter writing, I don't know what to do. Now, what was your brilliant suggestion, Callum? Well, it's time to go back slightly, not as far as the uh, pigeon letter, (laughs) not as far as the pneumatic tube, because they tend to jam, uh, (laughs) but to the fax machine. The fax machine is your answer. Yeah, I think it might be. I've given this some real thought and... I'm seriously considering bringing back the fax. Now, here are some advantages to faxing, everyone. Uh, it's it's instant, but it's still up to you, you know. So you've got instant communication, but it's up to you when you look at it. You've got the advantage of tactile management of your communication. Now, I read the study recently that when you take your notes by hand and you've got a physical process of capturing information or, or of reading a book, you've got better memory, it's faster, you have better comprehension. Do you think the facts will offer us some of those advantages, CV? The argument is clearly meant to justify the purchase of an Apple pencil. It's not meant <laughs> to make you go back to facts. Even thought of that. I'm such a luddite. I'm always lugging around a notebook and a pen. That study was specifically commissioned to give yuppies permission to spend three hundred dollars on an Apple pencil. Wow, you are both cynical and probably correct. <laughs> How disappointing. Now, one of the arguments that people have raised at me, CV, since you had your brilliant facts insight, uh, and I do just want to call out to our mutual friend Anna Geddes while we have this chat, who was the last person to send me a fax when I was working at the Ashburton District Council about ten years ago, and I respected that move. Um, is that other people don't have faxes. <laughs> so potentially <laughs> that's a communication issue. No, that suits you exactly. That's exactly what you want. You're constantly on about how you don't actually want to hear or see people. And if you've got a fax, that solves both of those problems because you are technically reachable and it's not my fault if you're not on my chosen medium. It's a bit victim blaming. You could fax all of your close female friends. <laughs> Throw back to a gag from last week for listeners who may not be familiar about the time. Alicia said to a group of people at a dinner table containing two of her female friends, I don't really have any female friends. Look, I I really, I really regret that quite deeply. Uh, But I did discover that there is a a host of apps out there. For those of you who aren't willing to jump on the fax machine uh, system, you can text to fax, you can email to fax. It's up to you. I'm not taking that choice away from you. Now, and the funniest thing that I've done in probably a whole year, uh, I rang CV recently, and while I was waiting for him to pick up, it it occurred to me that the funniest possible thing I could do would be to open a YouTube tab uh, to the sound of a fax machine. Now, unfortunately, he didn't actually answer the phone because apparently he has a life. So I was just sitting there giggling to myself for no reason. Callum didn't answer the phone. I kind of forgot about it. 
uh, in between, Cam rang me. You can see I've only got two friends, Katie. Cam rang me and I talked to him and I put the phone down. And about five minutes later, my phone rang. Now, my phone rang, and this is why I'm saying digital's terrible. My phone rang while I was sitting in front of my MacBook. So my phone starts going off, and Callum has a very abrasive personalised ringtone in my phone. So my phone starts going off. It's Kendrick Lamar. He's yelling at me. My laptop's going da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da at the same time. There's a cacophony of noise. And then I remember I've got that YouTube tab open of the fax machine noises. So in amongst the cacophony, I then hit go on the YouTube video while I answer the phone to CV. And you are greeted with what noises, CV? Uh, hmm. Can I do an impression of a fax machine on, on some I'm kind hoping. of live show? It's like... That was terrible. That was really shit. Because <laughs> it's like... Boing, boing, boing. boing. Anyway. Uh, and so CV... Uh, uh, has his phone call answered. It just has like a solid minute of fax machine noises. Now, on a scale of zero being not funny and 10 being you literally wet your pants, how funny was that gag, CV? I mean, yeah, I was still I was still laughing when you actually started talking to me. So that's a good um, <laughs> that's a good metric. I have to I do have to call you out on the on one thing about the analog life, uh, which is um, have you set up the record player that I got you for Christmas yet? I thought that might come up. Did you? Uh, n- no. Okay. Are you going to do anything about that? I have a weird thing about it. I, I mean, first of all, I've only got one record, and I think it's really kind of you to have purchased me a record player given that three years ago for Christmas you bought me the only record I own. <laughs> so I do think that's, <laughs> I think that's great. It's a great follow-up gift. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel weird about it. That's all I got. One of the problems about that gift as a concept, I think, is that it's a gift that then places quite a burden on the recipient. So it's not as though, like, setting up a record player for the one record you play, <laughs> you basically yeah. handed her a financial and hipster burden. That that was its intended purpose. It was to get me back <laughs> for the time that she was really into plants for a while and gave me a plant. <laughs> I still wasn't a puppy. <laughs> I like the idea that keeping a plant alive is a similar burden to collecting a large vinyl collection. <laughs> it's the burden of life. It's got more immediate needs. It's like when you give someone a surprise pregnancy for Christmas. You don't know how it's going to go down. Right, beautiful Silence. time to segue. <laughs> uh, do, <laughs> Alicia, do you have a, a read of the week or are you ready for me to launch into my segment? <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Actually, I will say this. The only book I've read, or I've read a few books this week, but the only book I've read worth mentioning, I would mention because it was so bad. Now, I tried to read The Idea of Australia because I thought that was a really interesting concept to trace this kind of social and um, identity through history and what that's meant for political decisions and the economy and what it's like to be an Australian. And and that's right up my alley. I thought this is going to be a great book. Uh, the reviews were great on the front cover even. And so I, I purchased the book. I waited two weeks for it to arrive from Australia. It got here. I opened it and it is hands down the worst writing I've tried to put in my brain for years. It was shit. Cam. <laughs> How heavy was it though? <laughs> it was quite heavy. How much did it cost to ship? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty heavy. 
Yeah, basically, you'd stop looking at reviews for the uh, the quality of the writing or the number of stars. You just want the shipping indicator for the weight. That's uh, that's the only thing you'd be looking up. <laughs> Look, it was a it was a terrible. I'm really sorry to the author of that book, but honestly, just like Grammarly or an editor, maybe punctuation. Um, it almost it, it reads like someone used an AI bot to write a book. And then once the AI bot had written the sentences, fed it all through an automatic thesaurus afterwards to swap it out for words with extra syllables to see what would happen. It's just shit. I think there was also a filter that just removed a few punctuation marks. So if there were any yeah. short sentences, they were they were just banged together like a German noun. Yeah, it was it was not good. So so that's my read of the week. Do not read the idea of Australia. Uh, look, Cam, happy to hand over to you at this point, mate. <laughs> We're moving into a new segment now called Effect of the Week. The effect of the week this week is the Streisand effect. Now, the Streisand effect is what happens when the act of someone trying to suppress or hide something draws more attention to it than what it originally had. And it's named after... Barbara Streisand, after a photographer studying coastal erosion in California, took 12,000 photos all along the coast of California and uploaded them to a publicly available site talking about coastal erosion. Now, for whatever reason, Barbara Streisand decided that she didn't want the photo of her house on this website and sent uh, litigious notes to the host of the site saying, I demand this be taken down. Now, at the time of the legal letter, the the photo had only been viewed six times, two of those times by Barbara Streisand's legal team. (laughs) The result of (laughs) lodging the legal complaint was that the issue gained enormous notoriety and the photo then got downloaded about 100,000 times in the next two days. Now, I didn't realise until looking up this little story that it wasn't called the Streisand effect straight away. Uh, it came into being after <laughs> the site urinal.net, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, if it's urinal or urinal. Uh, either way, the host of urinal.net was hosting a photo, had a, a photo posted of a urinal on a, a Pacific Island resort, naming the resort and showing the delightful urinals on display. Now, urinal.net is an amazing website that's still live and still being updated where people upload stories and photos of urinals they see around the world. I'm exchanging my pronunciation as we go. Just what? what? So I didn't know about this until I was looking it up last night. So the Streisand effect was coined by a man analysing this case. So there was a beach resort that didn't want a photo of their urinal on this site And as you can imagine, this site wasn't exactly popular or frequented by many visitors. And the act of lodging the lawsuit was the thing that brought attention to it. And Mike Masnick of Tector, two two years after uh, the issue with the Barbara Streisand photo, said, how long is it going to take before lawyers realise that the simple act of trying to repress something that they don't like online is likely to make it so that something that most people would never see like a photo of a urinal on some random beach resort, is now seen by many more people. Let's call it the Streisand effect. And so that's when the the name of it was coined. And the Streisand effects had a couple of pretty funny examples in recent years. Here you can see the photo of the uh, Marco Beach Ocean Resorts urinal that they objected to being on the website, which no one would have seen until they complained about it. 
And now that the term has been coined, there's been a few other really great examples of it. Um, I do encourage you to look at urinal.net to check out some of the wonderful <laughs> porcelain and uh, metallic and constructions on display because they are quite something. Why is this happening? Well, it's the big wide internet. Lots of weird things happen on the internet and someone with an interest in cataloguing the world's urinals has set up a site for it and, as usual, user-generated content has provided the material. This is why, Cam, I want to go back to the facts. I can't handle this shit. I can't handle urinal pictures and Barbara Streisand and, like, this is distracting the masses from the real problems in the world. Facts me about climate change. <laughs> well, you can bet that if uh, faxes were invented, or if faxes come back into vogue now, people will be faxing you memes. Of that, I'm absolutely certain. <laughs> I'd also like to, I'd like to invite all of our, all of our viewers today to uh, send in voice memos of themselves doing the fax noise. <laughs> I'm looking forward to CV producing the remix. Back to the Streisand effect. Great uh, examples of the Streisand effect in action include uh, in June 2014, uh, as Uber was taking off, taxis were understandably disgruntled that their business model was being turned on its head and they protested by uh, gathering en masse and doing a huge uh, rolling protest in their taxis in England, causing a huge disruption to a whole bunch of motorists. The number of downloads of the Uber app on that day increased by nearly 900%. And so the the fall of taxis and the rise of Uber was inevitable, but the, the act of protesting about it to draw attention to the taxi's plight, in fact, was complete. the result was completely counter to their goal, i.e. everyone immediately found out about Uber because it was now massive headline front page news. I got problems with this. I got massive problems with this. I got victim blaming social activism problems with this. The message behind the Streisand effect, if we take your protest example, is if you just shut up, people won't get the idea about it anyway. So women who are like, hey, we keep getting sexually assaulted in public. It's like, yeah, and now you've talked about it. Everybody's touching you on the train, aren't they? So just shut your mouth. I'm not okay with the Streisand effect and the potentially perverse lessons that it is teaching us, which is just, shh. I'm not sure it's teaching that across the board, and I certainly don't think that uh, complaining about being sexually assaulted increases the likelihood of a sexual assault. I have no expertise or data in this area. Of course it doesn't. I'm using that as an extreme example, but I'm like, the lesson behind the Streisand effect is keep your mouth shut, don't complain, because otherwise you might just get more of the same. Oh, that rhymed. Well, yes, that is the lesson, but usually in spurious litigious cases. And if, I, uh, if I've used a poor example to lead us off, we can just scrub that one from the record and move right along. The second one being the Pirate Bay. Uh, again, not a great example in terms of ethics because clearly the Pirate Bay do something that probably they shouldn't be doing. But once Arr. again, a... Uh, a <laughs> Once again, the efforts, the efforts <laughs> of uh, the British phonographic industry to stop their material being shared on the Pirate Bay were to first ask politely and the Pirate Bay said, no, we're going to keep doing this, forcing them to take them to court. Once they'd taken them to court, 
the legal system, being of course completely archaic and unaware of how the internet works, ordered multiple internet service providers to block access to the Pirate Bay, which is completely ineffective. It makes no difference to how people access it. And the act of lodging the legal proceedings meant that the publicity it got meant, once again, that 12 million more people visited the Pirate Bay than had ever before on the day of the judgment. Now, there was also uh, another final example. You may remember photos of Beyonce being shared on the internet of her pulling various contorted facial expressions during her performance of the Super Bowl halftime show. BuzzFeed posted an article saying Beyonce being fierce and they had about 10 photos of her pulling contorted faces while she was doing this very athletic and physical performance during the Super Bowl halftime show. Beyonce's publicist contacted BuzzFeed and said, Can you please take those photos down? There's a whole bunch more photos that I'm sure are more flattering and we'd appreciate a revision. Now, the original article had barely been viewed by anybody, but of course, the publicist contacting BuzzFeed lets them put a headline, very clickbaity, 10 photos Beyonce's publicist doesn't want you to see. And so photos that would barely have been seen by anybody now have a much more clickbaity and attractive title for people to dive into. And of course, once the photo's on the internet, it is there for everyone to see. And the more you're told not to look at it, the more people look at it. So yeah, example of the Streisand effect where the act of trying to suppress something in fact renders it completely in the public eye. Uh, Right. Well, with that, CV, what have you got for us this week? Hot take on the news. My hot take on the news is just a pure recommendation this week. It is uh, drop whatever you're doing this evening and go and see uh, the film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It is the most incredible, mind-blowing, original piece of art that I've seen in years. Uh, You walk out of it in a complete daze. I felt like I watched five or six films all at the same time. Uh, It's huge in what it tries to do with the multiverse, but it also is uh, small and intimate on such a a family level, and you just absolutely have to see this film. What is the multiverse? The multiverse is the idea that in order for free will to exist, which, as discussed last week, I don't think does, um, (laughs) that will split you into an infinite version of yourself. So every possible decision splits you off in two. So there is a version of Alicia Mackay that chose to not wear the uh, very deluxe and large podcaster headphones this week. Oh my God, uh, I thought this... I was going to get away without you saying anything. <laughs> it's the it's the this bit, it's the regal crown thing that is interesting to me. They're most excellent. Uh, but there's also a version <laughs> of you that is is starring in multiple Kung Fu movies. Uh, Obviously. <laughs> and, and the idea of reaching out and connecting those universes. I'm a fan. Okay. Yeah. So everything, what is it? That's just making me think of that Bo Burnham stand-up. Everything and everyone all of the time. My favourite part about going to see that movie was um, – I went at, at Lighthouse Cuba, and before you go in, this, uh, the guy comes out from behind the counter and kind of announces what cinema, what film is in. And it's a very fun title for someone to bellow. Like, yeah. everybody's seeing everything, everywhere, all at once. Cinema 2 now. <laughs> that, that was a delight. But the whole thing from start to finish is the most mind-blowing, incredible film. And it just, it has to be seen, and it has to be seen on the big screen. It's going to happen. And if... If 
anyone gives a movie recommendation that you would want to listen to everyone, it is CV, except for anything remotely science fiction, which, as far as I'm concerned, is a pretty garbage genre. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's probably the reason why I have been formally banned from science fiction movie nights at Callum's house. Uh, It's not just science fiction movie nights. I just have to make that clarification. (laughs) It's all movie nights because you facilitate the movie. You're not allowed to facilitate the movie for other people. I'm making it enjoyable (laughs) and relevant. Oh, wonderful. On that note, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Alicia Mackay Show. It is time to wrap things up. Have yourselves a wonderful day and we will catch you next time. See you later, everyone.